Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. All right, everybody, welcome to the Biz Dad podcast. Uh, today, we have on uh, a fantastic guest, a, uh, a dad, a father of two kids, um, Courtney Atkinson. Uh, thank you so very much for joining me, Courtney. I'm really excited to have you on, uh, get to know you a little bit, learn about your family, learn about your background, share some uh, some awesome nuggets about being a dad and uh, entrepreneurship. And uh, I know one thing you're passionate about from uh, from our pre-talk is running teams and doing all that type of stuff. So I'm looking forward to hearing about how you run your family team as well as your work team. So uh, if you can, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, um, a little background on your family, and then I'd love for you to, to kind of dive in on uh, on where you came from, like give us a little bit of background on your dad and how how uh, he impacted where you are today. Sure, brother, you betcha. And what a great time—the day after Father's Day, right? Yeah. So thanks for having me on as the, you know, maybe the first guest after Father's Day, bro. So yeah, appreciate being here, man. Um, yeah, I'm a real estate team leader. We have a team of a little over 50 agents in three markets. Um, pretty big team by volume. You know, we'll sell a couple hundred million a year. Um. Also have a coaching company for, for real estate agents, brokers, team leaders. I've been doing that for a good amount of time and uh, having a lot of fun at the man. Like my, my biggest hope is that, uh, you know, my young kids, Carson and Conrad are now six and a half and eight, uh, you know, want to be in that business and that I can create a business that they might be, uh, you know, desirous of stepping into. So that's kind of my primary objective. I love the work that I do and, uh, they're excited about the prospect of of maybe being business owners one day. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to, you know, inspire them to be entrepreneurs. My dad, uh, was entrepreneurial, although he might argue that he wasn't very successful, but, uh, the truth is, is that he was always trying, uh, little things to kind of, you know, to be a hustler. You know, he was a teacher by trade and I think almost by necessity, you know, my sister, uh, was, was born out of wedlock back in the sixties. And so in those days, that meant that you got married. And, uh, he and my mother stayed together, had me seven years later. And, uh, that lasted for about five more years. Had a reasonable childhood, no trauma. They just weren't meant to be together. And so, uh, they divorced. We lived in the same small community. I'm from Chipman, New Brunswick, town of about 2000 people. And so the kind of place where you just get on your bike and you come home when the light, you know, mm-hmm. go out. Well, there were no street lights, but you know, when the sun went down, um, and, uh, I spent a lot of time kind of my parents places because they were so close and then you know a bit later for grade six my mother moved to Fredericton with me and so that um you know created a bit of challenge between you know myself and my dad just seeing him was tough uh at that age and so uh, you know he'd come get me kind of in their typical rotation back in those days which was every other weekend and um the the cool thing was though that uh, he and I were really close during that time and uh, I opted to spend a lot of my summers there yeah, there, there wasn't as much opportunity from an employment standpoint. Um, but for the kind of work that I was capable of doing and wanted to do, um, uh, which was hard physical labor in the woods of New Brunswick, mm-hmm. uh, 
yeah, paid well and gave me a chance to to kind of hang out with my dad. And, you know, growing up, man, uh, I, I kind of, one of the most constant images I have of my dad is going door to door, raising money for charity, just hustling for Rotary Club or for whatever it was just to, you know, to, to build funds for community projects, whether it be, uh, you know, tennis courts or parks or, you know, whatever it was that uh, they happened to be working on at the time. And I remember going out on evening nights and weekend uh, with him doing that and just always had this like tremendous sense of community and, and um, you know, it was always like a, a civic advocate and, you know, always volunteering. And so I think that was in him from a very young age, being, you know, a farm boy from the, you know, from the sticks where you really depended on, on your community to come together and support you in times of hardship, which there were many back in those days. And, uh, I think he carried that forward in, in as many ways as he could with his limited income being a teacher, but he was quite mm-hmm. successful as a high school principal and then ultimately retired. And, um, now he's having a great time selling cars and we share that passion as well. So, I mean, there's a gazillion stories in there as most of us have over the years, uh, you know, I've left out the part where I had an overdose at, at the age of 12. I left out the part where I got caught with drugs a bunch of times. I left out the part where I crashed a bunch of cars. You know, I've left out a lot of parts in there. But the fact is, is my dad uh, was a heck of a man during all those times and surprisingly never kicked my ass a single time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. It's amazing when I look back at some of the things that I did and, you know, crashing cars and doing stupid things that young folks do. And, uh, never once my dad came from an abusive house. Uh, he came from an abusive house. So it's, it's one of those that you would think that he would have done that to me and never did. And it was, uh, uh which I thank God for. I mean, it's not, it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's a, a tough road to come from that and then not do it back. Right. But. I'd love yeah. to, to kind of actually dive into that a little bit. You know, you're, you're talking, you know, overdosing at 12 and getting caught with drugs multiple times. Like how did, eh, I've heard multiple stories from folks in, in the sticks of Canada. I mean, there's really not much to do in a lot of some of those places, you know, like Jordan Peterson is one of the guys I love listening to about, you know, talking about dads and, um, you know, uh, he's like, yeah, they're like people dropping out of school early. You do hard labor. There's a lot of, a lot of drinking and partying and you're, you know, it doesn't matter at a very young age. So. Talk to me a little yep. bit about, uh, you know, an overdose at 12 and how, how your dad dealt with that and how, you know, uh, what did you learn from your dad in that type of situation? Oh, man. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's not an uncommon story for these types of places. I mean, a lot of economic hardship, not that mm-hmm. I was party to that, but it was certainly all around. And, you know, in, in those communities, we were certainly upper middle class, no question, um, but that wasn't the case for my friend circle. There just wasn't any wealth. I mean, for, for the most part, there was systemic unemployment and poverty. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, an environment like that, um, is ripe for gang activity. So, you know, the hell's angels had always had a foothold in these communities and, and, uh, it, this province borders, uh, the U S and Maine. And so with kind of an uncontrolled border was a natural place to bring drugs across. And so we yeah. always knew, you know, you, it wasn't a big deal to know a dealer. Like our friends were dealers. Our friends were in gangs. Like it wasn't, um, it didn't seem like an unusual thing to us. And, um, and so, you know, drug being around was, you know, it's just part of life, I suppose, more than anything. And, uh, and yeah, so, uh, I suppose what happened was my, my mom wanted to move to Fredericton to provide some, you know, better opportunities, better schools, you know, uh, in theory, kind of a better mix of friends, but 
as I, as I moved there, you know, desperate to fit in at the ripe old age of, I think, 11 or, you know, whatever it was, uh, I had, you know, the skill, if you will, you know, or mm-hmm. these types of people that I like to hang around with. And, you know, I kind of found myself with those same, uh, circles of people. And, you know, next thing you know, at the, I guess I was in grade seven at that time, you know, we're, we're just buying drugs and getting high all the time. And, you know, one particular night, I just got a little bit sideways and ended up, uh, you know, passing out, splitting my head open, getting a concussion and getting epilepsy out of the whole thing. And, and I remember waking up in the ambulance quite confused for a minute. My mom was there and I asked her, you know, what had gone on. And she didn't know at that point I was living with my mom and my dad was an hour away in shipment. And so, uh, go to the hospital and, you know, by the time I wake up the second or third time, they're both there and, uh, they asked me, you know, what had happened. And so I knew enough of that state to lie and say that I'd been drinking mm-hmm. and, um, they, they'd already done blood tests, you know, unbeknownst to me and, uh, and, and knew what was up. They were just kind of waiting for me to fess up. And so anyways, it all came to a head and, you know, it's just pretty tough time on them. I mean, how did they handle it? They handled it like champs. I mean, I can't even imagine what that must've been like for them being a parent now you know, to a six and a half and eight year old, that's not too far down the road for me as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the truth was, was that they were very loving. They were very caring. They were concerned about the reasons for my desire to do these risky things. They were concerned about my association, uh, and you know, the ultimate drivers behind these things And it, you know, circling back and, you know, having done all the work over the years, it's pretty clear that, you know, just like anyone, I was trying to fit in. I've learned that I have ADHD as an adult. And so certainly that was playing into my risk-taking activity and desire to, you know, speak, uh, you know, behaviors that kind of, you know, fulfill that need for stimulation. Mm-hmm. And um, not that we knew that at that time, but, you know, the, the ultimate outcome was just a huge amount of accountability and a lot less flexibility. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I think that's, I'd love to say I'd handle it similarly as a parent, but you know, that's one of those things that, uh, you never know how you're going to handle it until you're in the situation, right? Like, I mean, I was, I was in the military for, um, quite a while, um, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, the whole nine yards. And you never, like everybody always says, yeah, you never, you know, you don't know how you're going to react to combat until you're in combat. You don't know how you're going to react to things as a parent until you're yeah. put up with that situation. Right. Um, and I'd love to say that I'd react with that same, same thought process of, okay, well, let's, let's get to the why. Like, let's understand what happened behind it. I can't change the fact that it happened, but I could try to help you understand where you came from, where you come from and what you do. So like, is that, is that something that you consciously put effort in now as a dad to, to try to think that way or maybe subconsciously or, um, you know, how does, how does that apply now with the, with what you're doing? Yeah, I, I think it does, but I have to say I'm not as calm as they were in that time or, or throughout my youth. I mean, I've got, I've got a, a book full of stories that I could share about the stupid things that I've done and the risky behaviors and, you know, run into the police, you name it. And, um, I don't remember there being any yelling. I don't remember there being any rage. You know, I don't, I just remember there being disappointment, uh, confusion, uh, you know, I, I, the sense, and I shouldn't even say the sense, the, the awareness that they felt this potential was being wasted. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that that was actually for me, one of the most powerful motivators. It wasn't that, um, you know, that they thought I was an idiot. They thought that I wasn't living up to my potential and they made that clear to me. And so there, it wasn't like there was this unrealistic bar that they were trying to hold me to, but 
it was pretty clear that they, they felt that I was falling short of potential. And I, and I took that in the way that it was intended. You know, I think they had a great way of communicating that. And, you know, what you find, you know, now that I know, um, where a lot of this came from uh, around ADHD is that like, you just don't learn the same way. You feel yeah. like it just, you need these types of experiences. And, uh, fortunately I had the right kind of parents to be able to support me through that. Not, you know, not the kind that, uh, you know, tried to boot me out of the house, for example, mm-hmm. which they, they would have had every reason to in many cases, yeah. or, you know, not pay for lawyers to keep me out of jail or whatever else, you know, there's tons of things where they just could have washed their hands and, um, and they didn't. And so, yeah, I mean, I turned a corner at a certain point and things started going my way. I wouldn't say that I was without issue, but, you know, I get into a couple of good universities and, and it done well with my life, but took a lot of handholding, a lot of patience for many yeah. decades. Sure. You said there was a, a lot of accountability and, you know, restrictions, like uh, what kind of accountability did they end up putting on you? Yeah. I mean, the first question was like, where was the money coming from to buy drugs? And, and like, yeah. to me, I was, that was going to be one of my questions. Like, <laughs> I, was like <laughs> I was like, since when is money to buy drugs an issue? Like, I was just like, I'll save all my, my allowance money. I'll go shovel driveways, whatever. I'll just save it and go buy drugs. Um, but that was a big question, you know, so that, that was like, that turned into a lot of accounting, um, mm-hmm. which admittedly, I, you know, I was pretty good at working the book. Uh, because it wasn't like I, I stopped using drugs, uh, you know, for a little bit I did cause I was concerned about my epilepsy, but, um, you know, it wasn't a couple of years later I was experimenting again. And, um, so accountability there and, you know, restricted curfews and, and just a, a reasonable time frame to try to prove that I had some sense of responsibility. And, uh, I think it took a while to earn that trust back. You know, there was several years there where. You know, there, I mean, being newly diagnosed with epilepsy meant that there were some limitations on what I could do anyway. So I suppose mm-hmm. that was a blessing in disguise, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, it took a couple of years for me to kind of earn some trust back and gain some flexibility. And naturally, when I had that back, I went right back to doing the same stupid stuff I'd been doing, you know? Yeah. That's I'd, sadly the way that that route sometimes goes. So, you yeah. know, is it, um, I can't remember the guy's name. I just, that quoted it earlier today too, but you you know, you are the five people you hang around with most, right? So right. if, if you stay around the same people, it doesn't matter if somebody, if you have one person holding you accountable, but there's five people that are pulling you the other direction. Yeah. You're going to have a hard time, right? You got to put yourself into a new environment. You know, and that's, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes for our kids, that means moving to a new school. Sometimes for us, that means like writing off old friends that we, that aren't really friends, you know, and that's at 12. Good, good luck. That's a tough mental hurdle. Yeah. To get I mean, over. It- Especially coming from a different community, you know, and, and one of the challenges that I've, you know, acknowledged for me at that age was that, you know, floating back and forth between two communities really had me a stranger in both, right? Mm-hmm. And so this attention seeking behavior and the desire to be loved and liked, you know, turns out I have, uh, RSD, which is like a, a variant of ADHD, which makes a person, you know, especially sensitive to, to being uh, not disliked, but maybe a, to being an outsider. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so folks with that type of personality disorder or whatever you want to call it will, will pretty much do anything to fit in. And, uh, I can tell you, I did, I, you know, but the beauty of it is, I mean, if we're going to flip that on its head, like, you know, I've had, you know, decades of training on, you know, being a chameleon and, and fitting in in any number of circles. Like there's no place I can't make friends. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. hardwired for it. You know, doesn't mean that I'm necessarily the world's most outgoing person. I'm a little bit burned out on a, on my extra version, to be honest, but yeah. you know, I can do it. Right. Uh, so it's been a gift in a lot of ways. I mean, as, as far as business goes, I mean, there's, 
there's no client that I can meet where, where I feel, you know, displaced. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all home to me. I've been trying for a long time. And so, you know, I think for any one of us, right, we have to look back at these challenges that we faced and, and ask ourselves, you know, whether it's a combination of parenting or, you know, experience or whatever it is, you know, we've landed here. And if, uh, if you're not in jail and your health is good, then we ought to be thankful, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everything we do, you know, it, it's, um, I think I said this recently on one of the podcasts, but like the conversation that you and I are having, it's not a conversation between Adam and, and Corp. It's a conversation between everybody you've ever talked to and me and everybody I've ever talked to and, and you, right? So yeah. it, there, all of these things, we can choose what to do with them, you know? So now I'm trying to teach that to my, my kids. Um, cause we, you know, just yesterday I had a chat with my, my oldest, the way he reacted to his little brother. Um, and he was trying to explain to me the situation. I was, I don't care what the situation was. Care at all what the situation was. Like, well, I don't care who was right, who was wrong. The actions you did were wrong, right? It's, it's how we respond in a situation. Are you reacting to the situation or responding in a situation? So if we learn from those activities that we experienced and we're able to do a better job, um, moving forward, then that's fine as long as we're learning from it. You know, as long, if you fail, fail forward. That's fail forward, fair, fail often, fail forward is another thing I like to say. It's a, a good lesson. Yeah. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's, uh, it's only because I failed a lot that I'm able to tell him that it's okay to fail, right? So it's, well, it is one, I, I one of those feel, things. Yeah, I feel the same. I mean, it, the truth is, is that I, if I don't feel like I'm failing at something on a near daily basis, I feel like I'm not pushing hard enough, you know? Yeah. That's not to say that I'm, you know, trying, uh, you know, so hard that I'm exhausting every ounce of my energy every day. But um, yeah, I mean, try new things, you know, yeah. falling down is good, you know, as long as you're not... Uh, you know, breaking the same leg three days in a row for yeah. the same stupid thing, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was right. telling somebody recently, I was like, I don't, like, I don't, none of this is to say that I want my kids to get hurt, but I don't mind if you fall out of a tree and break your arm. I don't mind yeah. if you're doing something silly and break it. Like, like, watch your head. I don't want you banging your head. Right. That you'll like those, those don't heal as well. Um, you know, those, those take a little bit of work, but I want you to try new things and I want you to explore. And I want, like, I mean, I want it. Like, that's, I, I you know, to your, what you were talking about, you know, growing up and always, always being gone. That's always the way I was. I mean, I put hundreds and probably thousands of miles on my bicycle every summer. Like I was gone everywhere, falling out, like lighting fires in the woods up in the, up in, you know, uh, Northern New York. Um, yeah. yeah, I just had a blast. I loved it. And I want my kids to be able to experience the same thing. But today, I mean, there were yeah. too many kids are stuck, not doing much of anything now, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, and, and there's not that same posse of kids that want to do those things, yeah. sadly, you know, like yeah. for us, you know, I'm 47 and, you know, back in those days, that would have been, you know, call it the mid eighties. I mean, that's all anybody did. Like you just get on your bike and you go found the gang and mm -hmm. you went fishing or you went throwing rocks at trains or, you know, you get up to some stupid stuff that you probably shouldn't have been doing, but at least yeah. you were learning skills, learning what to do, what not to do, you know social interaction, you know, friendships, not friendships, like all that stuff, you know, we were learning it from a very young age. And I think to a degree, our kids are sheltered from that too much, you know, by virtue of classrooms, the way they're structured, you know, society as a whole, it's tough. You know, I say to my, my friends, man, like, you know, I find myself strategically trying to find ways to make my kids' lives hard, you know, like, yeah. I really just don't think that our there's much challenge out there for people now. Like, I just think everything's so cake. Like, 
you know, business is easier, school's easier, life's easier, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. so sensitive to feelings being hurt. I mean, I, I love the fact that there's, you know, lots of attention paid to no bullying and stuff, but also like dealing with bullies can be a good thing too. So yeah, long as you've got, sure. you know, the skills and somebody on your side to help you through it. Like not to say that I want bullying. I'm not, that's clearly not yeah. a message here, but the point is, is that challenge is good. And, uh, I try to create challenge strategically for those little guys. Uh, they don't like it sometimes, but hey, yeah. I'm not, I'm not that dad who's here to make life easy. Yeah. I was just saying, uh, uh, great men create good times, good times, create weak men, weak men, create bad times, bad times, create great men. Right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, giving our, uh, you know, especially as you're talking about, you have two boys and I have two boys, like giving them some hard times, some hardship to go through, um, is really going to do a lot for them. I think, you know, like my kids are growing up in a completely different life than I, I grew up in. Um, but in, in really every aspect that you could think of, uh, you look at yet, whether it's technology, whether it's the, you know, um, the financial, uh, backing that they have, whether it's whatever, everything is different than when I grew up. Um, so, you know, we got to give them, give them some challenges and help them grow and become stronger. And I don't care if it's martial arts, if it's sports, if it's, um, yeah. you know, running a business, helping me do that, but that like challenge, challenge, challenge all the time. Yeah. You know, I think of, of this business. I mean, it, it, on the one hand, right. You know, I'm building you know, two businesses, there'll be a third one you're unpacking soon that my hope is, you know, that at some point these kids in their presumably late twenties, just given how old I am already, you know, will be in a position to be able to, to come into. But on the other hand, like that's ridiculous. Like what a ridiculous thing to do for a child to even suggest that they might have that to look forward to, because Mm -hmm. like, I didn't have that. Not to say that I was disadvantaged, but you know, my dad tried many businesses and didn't have a lot of success and typically only had the summers to make them a reality. And, um, you know, by the time that those kids roll around, I will have been doing this, you know, 35 years. Well, there's going to be a lot of money. Uh, it's going to be very easy and, uh, all the kinks in the road will be ironed out. I mean, gosh, they're nearly all ironed out now. And yeah. so, you know, when I, and when I look at how much my character and personality and strength has grown in the last 14 years of building this business, like I, there, there couldn't have been a better proving or training graph for me. And so I, I wonder, like, what does that look like for these young people? Like, how do I create challenge for them so that they can also have the benefit of those struggles? You know, like, mm-hmm. what, what's it mean to go nearly go broke? Like, you know, so many times as my wife and I have trying to build these businesses. Well, I tell you what, like, you learn to realize that it actually doesn't matter. Like, yeah. when, when, when I lose, I got my loving wife. I'm always mm-hmm. going to have a car. I can always put a roof over my head. Aside from that, I got happiness and my health. Like, I don't need anything else. I like building stuff, but I might go build another business and that one might be better. Like, I really don't fear, yeah. you know, having to make a big pivot, right? My identity is not tied up in it like it used to be. And, uh, you wonder, like, how do I, how do I support a young person, a child, a teenager, an adult and experiencing some of these things so that they have the benefit of that, right? Well, I mean, I, I guess potentially and just spitballing in the middle of thinking through this is uh, th- that last thing you just said where you don't really have that fear of doing those things right that came from the experiences but that doesn't mean that you have to have your kids go through the experiences to teach them the same thing right have them fail at a few different things give them some money and watch it disappear <laughs> watch them burn it you know like uh, relatively speaking of course um like i've been talking about uh, and i really need to uh, put a little bit more effort into it um, my kids are, are excited about it, but building a, a, um, vending machine route for them, right. Mm-hmm. So that they can learn about, you know, supply and demand and all that be like what it takes to actually put a little business together. 
right? And then yep. like if they, it, there's going to be a point where I'd be like, okay, well, this, these next two months are yours. You tell me how you want to do it. And then if their piggy bank doesn't get bigger because they failed to manage it properly, well, that, that could be a lesson in and of itself that, you know, you're teaching yeah. them something that they don't have to go through the hard time that you did and they don't have to not know what a savings account like I didn't know. Like I could teach them all of these things too, but. Um, yeah, get, they'll get their trials, you know, if they're, if, especially if they want to chase the business side, but, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on the business side? Right. Because I mean, you're saying that you, you know, you've got two businesses now, you got one more potentially coming soon, um, or that is coming soon by the sounds of things. So like, at, at what point do you want to include the kids in the business? Um, and how much do you want to, uh, how much do you want to push that or not push that? What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Mm. Well, I, not push it. Um, but my, my vision is that if I make it look attractive enough and if I'm a decent enough dad and I'm present enough and we have enough fun together and can afford a lifestyle that, uh, you know, is enjoyable, there'll be an attraction there at least. Mm -hmm. And, you know, given the kind of work, you know, it, it seems appealing to a kid anyway. I mean, it, you know, the, the one thing about running a real estate team is that it's a little bit like a popularity contest. So that's kind of a neat thing to a kid, you know, <laughs> like they know that, that everybody knows their dad and that's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, what do I think of that? Well, you know, my plan is to, I should say our plan, my wife and I own all these companies together is, is to sell a third of it to, to some of our partners. You know, that's part of our exit plan here over the next five years and, uh, retain two thirds, uh, each a third a piece. And then with the idea of at some point transferring them to each of the kids, um, so that they could run them together if they wish. And if not, we can, mm -hmm. you know, sell them to, to the other partners. That's kind of the, the transition plan here over the longer period to hang on to two thirds of each company. Um, what would that look like? I mean, we're big advocates for education. I know that that's, uh, you know, something that a lot of people contest these days, but, uh, you know, in Canada, it's not so expensive, you know, to go to university and, you know, I, I can appreciate the, the value of a liberal, liberal arts education and the ability to, establish some critical thinking skill to mature a little bit in a sheltered environment to learn how to write, to do accounting, to do those types of things. And then, you know, go screw somebody else's business up for a couple of years and, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, get your wits about you, get your, get your, uh, your butt beat a few times and then, uh, maybe decide to come home and, and join the old man. So that's kind of, you know, if I could paint a picture, I think that's what it mm -hmm. looks like, but you know, who knows, man, cause you know how it is, right? Kids are so different. Uh, one of them's, you know, really artistic and, um, you know, just very sweet and patient and a little quiet. And, uh, you know, the other one's like me, he's got ADHD. He's all over the place, big feelings, uh, big personality, tons of energy. And so, you know, they, 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 they could do any number of a million things yeah. that a person would want to do on this planet. And none of them could be real estate or coaching. Right. So yeah, for sure, uh, yeah. I'll just do my best to be a great example, to make it look enjoyable and to and encourage them and, yeah, I really would like to work with them. Like, you know, mm -hmm. to me, that was one of my greatest pleasures in life would be to, to share, you know, days with them and impacting the communities that we serve. And, and, uh, you know, to agree, even, even in the coaching company, we get to impact communities across North America. That's a lot of fun. And so yeah. the potential to do that with my children would, would bring me great joy, but one has no control. Yeah. Oh, ain't that the truth? Yeah. We mm -hmm. barely have control over what they're going to eat for dinner, despite our desires. <laughs> that control. <laughs> Uh, it's funny. It's funny you should say that. Last night was literally the night where we drew the line in the sand. Now, now your your listeners may may judge me for this, but um, you know we're we're late stage parents. Okay, my my wife and I banged out a couple of kids 
uh, at the last possible opportunity before it was too risky by, in our view, at least. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we'd already had a life established, you know, we had a lifestyle, you know, we lived a certain way. So we've used sitters a lot and, uh, we've traveled with the kids a lot and we've been privileged, uh, due to the stage of life that we're in. So yesterday we said to the kids lesson, like, here's the deal. Like this isn't a short order kitchen. Like starting today, you eat what we eat, you know, mm-hmm. my youngest hates soup. We happen to have stew on. And of course, you know, he threw a fit and, and, um, so option B is that they get to cook for themselves until, uh, wasn't too much longer when he was starving. He decided to come back and figure out how to put himself a grilled cheese sandwich. So uh, six year olds. Yeah. Got back in the kitchen and didn't burn himself. And so, uh, major win at our house last night, uh, around getting a six and a half year old fed by cooking his own grilled cheese. That's up. And you thought they weren't going to have trials. See? Yeah. This yes. is, <laughs> but six and a half though, that's, that's a trial figuring out how to make a grilled cheese. That's a, that's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. He did, he did all right. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. That's funny. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the business side of the house and we'll learn a little bit more about your business. Um, uh, tell me about the two businesses you already have and then we'll go into, um, you know, you can go as, as deep or as shallow as you want and I'll, I'll, I'll try to dig in a little bit and, and yeah, let's hear about yeah, it. For, for sure. So, uh, we serve three communities, uh, in miles, they'd be about a hundred miles apart. I live in Lethbridge, Alberta. That's a city of about a hundred thousand. My wife's from Medicine Hat. That's east a hundred miles. And, uh, we have a team of, uh, 20 agents in each of those two cities. And then we service Calgary, Alberta, which more of your listeners I'm sure have heard of with the Calgary Stampede, the greatest outdoor show on earth, they say. Uh, city of about a million four. So we're fairly new there. Uh, we've got 10 agents in that market, but. As you can imagine, lots more potential for growth. So, you know, we've been successful. You know, we sold a little over 600 homes last year. That puts us in one of the, you know, top five teams in Canada, maybe top 25 or 30 in the, in North America, as far as kind of size and volume goes, maybe. Um, and having a lot of fun. We're pretty deleveraged from that business. Melanie runs operations. I'm the CEO and, uh, we focus a lot on systematization, automation, culture, community, support, and uh, having a lot of fun. And so we're trying to find good people that just want to have fun, want to make a lot of money, and uh, want to serve their communities and, and want to do it in this way, this way that the field family was. And so at, at first we thought that, you know, maybe that wasn't so scalable, but as it turns out, there's a lot of people that are trying to, you know, find a way to combine those same things. And so that's been our, our superpower is leading with heart and, uh, leading with community and just letting people find us. Uh, so that's been, been awesome. I can uh, imagine that, you know, in the next couple of years, three years, we'll be over a hundred agents, you know, doing a couple thousand transactions a year. And I look forward to, to those days and it's not so far down the line and it's not going to be so challenging at this stage to do that, given what we've already accomplished. Um, backstory to that, however, is that, you know, like anything, you know, you don't get to a place like this without really screwing things up royally without, you know, having to do a lot of looking in the mirror and, uh, having a lot of discussions with self around ego and around motivation and around, you know, the things that drive us. And, you know, of course there's all the conversations around balance and, um, time and stress and all those types of things, health. So. We've been through all that. You know, I've been through times where I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I've been through times where I couldn't sleep. I've been through times where, 
you know, I needed hundreds of thousands of dollars in, you know, 48 hours and didn't know where I was going to get it, you know, several times. Um, and we've always pulled it together. And so, you know, I think what that's created for us is, um, you know, an opportunity to be super resilient to, to really be able to let go of outcomes and focus on the joy of the work and serving people and lifting others up and, and trying to be an example to others. Now, one of the underlying pieces there is that we've been in this very unusual market, you know, c- contrasted to nearly any place else in, in North America. If you were to look at our prices in 2009, they're still much lower than where they were then. Um, and only example of my own house that I had appraised in, you know, this was an old house that I used to own that I had appraised in 2009. I'd appraised at 520 without a finished basement. We finished the basement, sold it for 460 a couple of years later. I sold that house again last year where somebody on my team did, uh, and it sold for 445. So like, you know, we, we, we haven't had this like 10 year run of appreciation where prices have doubled like they have in so many places. And. The good thing is, is that, you know, we've been able to build a big business in a market with low commissions, low average house prices, our average house price around 300,000 or average commission per side is about 1.8%. And, uh, we've been able to do it lean and mean and still be quite profitable. And so that's given us a lot of insight and a lot of skill to be able to, to coach. And, you know, I didn't set out to coach. It, it kind of landed, uh, on me. Truth was, is I started doing a podcast myself. I started interviewing agents and. I like telling stories. And, uh, at the end of these podcasts, it seemed like half the people I was speaking to were asking me if I was a coach and, you know, like any responsible entrepreneur, I said, yes. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all my coach friends and said, okay, I'm a coach now. What should I charge? You know, <laughs> and, uh, actually a couple of go abundance guys, Adam Roach and uh, Sam Wiegert were my, right. were my friend that I called about that. And, uh, so that's how I got into the coaching space about five years ago. And then it just kind of snowballed from there, built a bit of a reputation. And, um, and now, you know, we're scaling courses and, and coaching team leaders, big brokerages, you know, with over 300 agents and helping them solve a lot of the same problems that we solve. Um, but frankly, just with more money in the table, because typically mm-hmm. the house price is much higher. The commissions are typically closer to 3%. There's, you know, a lot more resources available, but, um, with a market ship like the one that many markets are in, being systematized, being accountable, having strong culture, having strong retention, having an improved sale force, you know, having better scripting, better dialogues, and all those types of things are, are really important. And so we're really finding our stride here uh, this last six to nine months, and we're going to be dropping some uh, some really impactful courses uh, with some, some folks that we're working with in the space that have done really good work for others. So we're pretty stoked on that. That's our second business. And, um, and then the third business is, it, yeah, a little bit on the DL for now, but, um, it's related to, sorry, it's just you and me talking. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's related to those businesses, kind of like an, an add on essentially for, for all those, uh, for all those folks. So that'd be something they can probably talk about in another three or four months once, once we're a little further down the road with it. But, um, we're really excited about that too. It's a natural progression of, of the offerings that we already have and the things we've already been doing. And, uh, makes a lot of sense given the demand that we see. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah so I, I definitely want to figure out the connection on how you, um, you know, we skipped a good you know, 25 years from, you know, uh, bashing your head and getting epilepsy at 12 to, um, you know, running a couple businesses and whatnot. So 
how did you get from from that position? I mean, obviously you 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 said you saw your dad with the entrepreneur type of type of spirit, you know, so you you clearly picked some of that up. How did you make that connection? Um, and you alluded to you going to college, getting into a couple of good colleges earlier. So can you walk me through that a little bit so I can understand that part of the background? Yeah, yeah. You know, there there has to be like one or two themes that that were always there, and I and I would say that. You know, the two themes that were consistently present in my life were, were integrity, you know, being from a small town, you know, my, my parents being from modest means, you know, they're, they're just people where your word meant something. Okay. Like you just didn't say that you were going to do something. You did it. And oftentimes you didn't talk about it. You just did it. Okay. Those were values that were held firmly in our family. And, um, and I suppose modesty to a degree as well, you know, that kind of ties in with that. I think, you know, to a degree, you know, modesty and integrity were, were important and maybe dovetailed a little bit because we, we didn't grow up having much. They certainly grew up having less and, mm-hmm. uh, but they were also keenly aware that even having so little, they had so much more than others. You know, there's stories abound of my, my dad's family, you know, being, you know, second generation farmers in Nova Scotia. You know, seeing immigrants, you know, that were nearly starving and taking them in and, you know, feeding them on their farm when they had, you know, complete crop wipeouts and, you know, animals that had, you know, com- com- you know, just completely catastrophic uh, things with their herds and so forth. And still, you know, welcoming literally dozens of people and like, people sleeping in the barn and they would be feeding them, you know, with what little they had. So those things were, you know, definitely passed down, I would say uh, over the years. And I think the, the, the second thing, or maybe third, depending on how you want to count it is, is just, just an incredible work ethic. You know, I saw my dad like bust his butt, just like, just always. And, you know, I don't think anybody looks at education, like it's a real physical job necessarily, but you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, Teachers don't get into teaching for the summers off. You know, mm-hmm. teachers get into teaching for, to make an impact, right? And there isn't a place on the planet that pays teachers enough for the work that they do. Um, and the other truth is that, you know, administratively, it can be very challenging to make the impact that you want. And so, uh, you know, my dad put in incredible hours, you know, as the principal, he, he spent most of his career as a principal you know, working all day, staying late, you know, going to the dances, you know, being the first one in the school, the last one out. And, and then in addition to that, you know, you know, being involved in municipal politics, uh, you know, being an advocate, being a volunteer. And so like, he just really didn't quit, you know, and, uh, although I didn't really adopt the, these traits at a particularly young age, I can remember, you know, going to work, uh, you know, probably after my first year, or I guess maybe after my grade 12 year. And this guy wanted to hire me for uh, a job at his convenience store. And he said, okay, well, why don't you come over to my house? I'm, I'll meet you there uh, Monday morning, whatever time, eight o'clock or something. I said, okay, I'm not sure what the heck's going on this dude's house. I mean, I'm trying to get a job at his convenience store. So I go there and dude hands me a shovel and points to his backyard and has outlined where he wants me to dig him a pool. And, uh, so I spent the next two weeks with a shovel digging a pool eight hours a day. And that was my interview. And, uh, so that was kind of like an introduction to, 
you know, what that could look like. Mm-hmm. And at five dollars an hour back in those days, it wasn't like you were making a lot of money. Um, and then after that, you know, just I think I just realized that um, you know, I had this ability to do hard things. I guess is really what it come down to. You know, I had done a lot of easy things. You know, I had done a lot of drugs and a lot of fooling around, but I also knew that I was a pretty smart person. I also knew that, you know, I was sufficiently different from others that, you know, I had this ability to kind of get along with people. I had this ability to make friends wherever I went. And, you know, I, I also was playing football that by that point, you know, I was desperate to make friends. And so the football team like, seemed like a pretty cool place to hang out. My mom loved football. So I started playing football and turned out I was pretty good at it. And I knew that if I was going to go play university ball, that I needed to have better grades. Mm-hmm. So I just pulled it together in the last half of grade 11, you know, just committed and studied and, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't like get a scholarship, but I got in, you know, um, and back in those days, if you played football, of course, your grades didn't have to be so high. Um, so I think I got in with like a 71 average or something like that when everybody else needed like a 90 and, um, yeah, I mean, I just, just committed. Like I just ended up just working hard to play ball because I wanted to be successful at that. And I can't say that I worked particularly hard at school, but you know, the things that I was interested in, there, there wasn't really many people that could outwork me. Um, and I think over time, you know, over the course of one's life, we start to realize the things that we have aptitude for, the things that we're desirous of pursuing, the things that, you know, inspire us, motivate us and give us the jam that we want in return. And for me, you know, fast forward, I was unsatisfied in my career and I wanted to do something that had unlimited earning potential and gave me a, a direct connection to the outcomes, uh, people. And so I thought real estate would be a good fit. The barriers to entry were low and uh, competition seemed thin. And so I thought, hey, you know what? I can do this thing. I didn't care about houses. I just wanted to do something different and make more money, you know? So, you know, long trajectory, of course, that's a 25 year story compressed into three or four minutes. But I think, you know, any one of us, if, if we can just kind of give ourselves permission to pivot, you know, because I mean, in university, like, you know, I get in with the goal of studying sociology, hated it, started psychology, hated it, started religious studies, hated it, you know, um, what made a move over to English, did okay at it, didn't love it. Um, then history, you know, found it easy enough, didn't really love it. Thought I was going to be a teacher, decided I wanted to do an MBA, didn't have the market to get in, went into forestry because I had been working in the woods for four years, hated that. Uh, went back and did an accounting designation because I realized that I wanted to do my MBA, but I needed better grades to get in. So I did that for two years, was really good at accounting. And then I did an MBA in finance, was killer at finance and marketing. And um, yeah, decided to get out of that and... um go to work for a bank, did that for a minute and then went to work for a university. And yeah, just, I think too often, you know, young people especially are, are trying to categorize their lives. You know, they're trying mm-hmm. to like, you know, build their roadmap so early on. And if I can, you know, credit my parents for a series of things, one of them being most important was they never, you know, held my feet to a career fire. You know, it wasn't like they felt like I needed to be pinned down and and doing one thing. And I, I pivoted a ton. I mean, I pivoted, you know, dozens of times and, uh, you know, once I landed in this career of real estate, I haven't looked back, you know, this is my passion. It's what I love to do. And, you know, I can do it 24 seven. Yeah. I, I did a lot of pivoting myself, even like in the military, I did more jobs in the military than most people will ever do in the military. If they go in the military, you usually do one job and you go through until you retire in 20, mm-hmm. 25, 30 years. 
Um, I did four different jobs in the military, which is a very rare thing. Um, and yeah. you know, I, when I, and then I got out before I even retired, I got out because I was enjoying running the businesses I was running. I was like, this is just great. And then I realized maybe that's why I kept switching. And maybe that's why you kept switching. Like the something about being an entrepreneur, like it feels like it's a different day all the time. Like, I mean, I can always pivot and do something different. You're building a different team. You're creating something different. You're like, I, I didn't feel like I was in the same grind as I was in, you know, I think I, I, oh. my thought is that maybe that's why I did what I did with switching jobs all the time in the military. So I was just, yeah. it was that entrepreneur inside of me that was saying, Hey, you just need something new. You need some sort of refresh. You need build it out. Well, and it gives you some control too. I think that, you know, the kind of thing that happens in a lot of careers, and I certainly found this in the ones that I was in that I, you know, you, you feel out of control, you know, mm-hmm. somebody else pulling the strengths, yeah, you know, sure. and, and then there's this like repetitive nature where, you know, it's not a, a broad type of environment, at least in the work that I was doing. And they were reasonably high paying jobs. But I thought, man, if this is all there is, like, if this is all there is and this is the people that I'm going to be doing it with, like, I've made some terrible choices in my life because I was looking around <laughs> my last job and there was nobody as happy as I wanted to be. Like, in truth, like, I just saw a bunch of miserable people punching the clock till retirement. And I thought, man, are we all just waiting around here to, yeah. the magic math where we get to walk away with a modest paycheck like if they're even thinking about that math yeah yeah like they really were like i worked in hr i knew it for a fact oh, it was yeah. based on a number of consultations that i would have with people based on the math and i thought holy cow like you don't even like this job you don't like your colleagues you're clearly unhappy and you're just gonna bank on the next 17 years till you can get this paycheck well that's a that's a soul destroying period of time like you may not make it like literally you may not make it. And so I thought, Hey, you know, I'll go fail. I'll go fail at real estate. I was really prepared. I thought, you know what? Like realtors didn't seem like, you know, they had to be like, you know, Mensa members to do the work. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I can go do this thing, but if I fail, I can go do something else, but at least I'll be happy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. That's, that's the way I felt when I left the military. I mean, I, when I told my command, I was leaving, they were like, you hear what? Like you have four and a half years until you can retire. I said, you know how much I could do in four and a half years? And you know how much more stress I have hanging out with you guys for four and a half more years? Like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And you know, one of the things that, that really put me over the edge was I was at about, so I started off as an illicit guy and then became an officer later on. I, I had a break in the middle, went to college, um, and it was, and then joined the reserves for a short time. So a total, I had like 15 and a half years of active, like 18 years of total service before I got out. Um, but at around, I don't know. 14 years in 13 years in I was traveling all the time and my my oldest came running up to me and he like I was taking the trash out and he said, daddy 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 don't leave again don't leave again and mm. I was like oh okay like I just I couldn't it broke my heart you know and like I'd been one I have literally since I was like 13 years old I've wanted to be a dad like I just something about being a dad was just was just exciting to me um, and now here I am with three kids, absolutely love it. Like, and to see that on his face and go, there's no way I can do this. Like for the government to just send me wherever the heck they want to, whenever they want to be treated like a yeah. pawn here and there. I wasn't, you know, I, I just couldn't do it. Like I, it, it's one of those that, you know, I've heard it multiple times, but like, okay, well look at your boss's boss. Is that the kind of person you want to be when you retire? And if it's not, mm-hmm. you might not be in the right spot, right? You might want to yeah. look somewhere else. If that is where you want to be, like, great. You know, like if, if your, if your agents are going, okay, well, um, 
Now they, they look at you and say, is that what I want to do? And if it is, then great. Like, let's teach you how to do what I'm doing and get you to be where you could be me, not in my market, but you could be me somewhere else. Right. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, if that's not what you want, then man, make the pivot. And I, I, it was tough. I got harassed a lot for it for like for jump a chip and, you know, throwing away quote unquote, my, my retirement. But what else would I have thrown away in that next four and a half years? Who knows? You know, I guess just it's hard to say man and it's it's so so amazing that that you had the bravery and the confidence to do that i'm sure it was a i'm sure it was a big ordeal but at the same time you know i think too often people aren't prepared to bet on themselves and Mm -hmm. i see that in my business too like we have a a real estate boot camp it's one of the things that we're known for it's one of the things that we coach and help other teams create so most of our team has come from another industry. We've helped them get their license and we've trained them to become successful real estate agents. And I know that journey because I've been through it and I, and I've helped so many others get into real estate from it. Uh, but the truth for me is that if it's going to work, you really do have to burn the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't kind of like, you can't kind of like hang on and be like, I'm going to, you can try this thing over here and I'll see how it goes. But. You know, like you really do just have to say, okay, you know what? This is a break in my identity. I'm putting that behind me and I'm committing to whatever this is. And, uh, it'll be what it'll be. I'll give it my best. And if it doesn't work out, then I can always go do something else. But I would never forgive myself if I didn't do this now. And I have to presume that there's a part of that in there for you too, where you're thinking, okay, gosh, like I got, you know, this critical time with my children. You know, my health, my life, like it's now or never. If I stay, yeah. maybe I stay forever, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, w- I was rather broken too, like the health-wise, right? I mean, I, I'd already had neck surgery, shoulder surgery, um, you know, bad back, all this stuff. And I'm like, and then you guys are going to beat me up for another, <laughs> for another five years? Like, I'd like to be able to play with my grandkids and I have a hard time playing with my kids. So like, mm-hmm. this isn't something that I could, I think is sustainable. I got, I got to figure something else out, but mm-hmm. um you know, I, I, uh, thank, thank the Lord. I, I've got a, a wife who's still in the military. So it, it gave me a, a bit of a, a cushion to fall back on. And I told her that worst case scenario, I mean, let's say everything I do fails, you know, I, but when I got out, I mean, granted, I had a, a couple hundred doors of apartment building, like a couple hundred apartment doors. And, you know, I, I'd set myself up pretty well in running an education company, uh, uh, to teach military members and veterans how to invest in real estate. So, I mean, we're, I had, I had a decent amount of stuff going on, but like, let's say it all fails. Like, okay, then I do something else. Like, you know, and then, then I get to teach my kids how to be resilient. Like, oh, shucks, you know, like I, I get to teach them how to, how to take risks, how to be resilient, how to work through problems. And like, yeah. So now I, at least I'm a present dad, you know, where if everything fails in the military side of the house, I'm no longer a present dad, you know, I'm in a box somewhere. So, um, that was a, a real reality with, with, you know, some of the stuff I used to do. So it was, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and to think like, you know, how, how difficult it is for, you know, for like, just take my example, you know, leaving, uh, you know, a job where I was a long ways off from a pension. So you're four yeah. and a half years away. Your identity is deeply connected, yeah. you know, to the work, the community of people that you're with is like a brotherhood, right? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of glue there. I mean, I get, I get the thing that you're pushing away from, but the, the glue is strong in the military, in the, any, in any of the armed forces, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, there was the, what is it? Uh, you're there running away from something or running towards something, which one is it? Like in my case, it was a little bit of both, right? I mean, I, I felt my, like that, that glue almost felt like I was a fly in the Vaseline more than I was, you know, attached to my brothers by the, by the time I finally went through it, yeah. you know? So it was like, I just, I, 
I got to be able to figure out how to get away from this. And I'm running towards being a, a good quality present dad. Um, mm-hmm. and it just, you know, it was, it was tough. So, um, with all the pivots that you've done and, you know, how, how are you planning to, or how are you already kind of, uh, teaching some of the skills you've learned to, to your kids to be able to say, Hey, this is, you know, this is how dad has done this. And this is, you know, um, in your case, mom and dad are both running the business. This is, this is how we're, we're, we're doing these things. This is why we make these decisions. Do you bring them in on those types of conversations already or, or not quite yet? Yeah, I do. I, I, you know, for me, one of the things that I learned, um, you know, before I had ADHD, I, I had a, a really difficult time managing stress, you know, managing anxiety, even managing depression, which is pretty common for people with mm-hmm. RSD, as it turns out. But as a result of that, I, you know, I nearly gone broke this one last time and I think it was 2015. And so. Yeah, I really doubled down on my personal practice, you know, gratitude and affirmations and meditation and, you know, way more exercise than I was doing before. And uh, it was incredible. And so when my kids were young, I just decided that I was going to do some of these things with them, you know, <laughs> that we would go to bed and, and talk about the things that we're grateful for and that I would go through a series of affirmations with them. And uh, I don't want to say that we've been perfectly consistent, but it's been a theme you know, for them since it was a, a, an appropriate thing to do, probably around three. Okay. Okay. And, and, and that's evolved interestingly because my, my oldest now who's eight is, is really interested in the business and, and the kids are oddly interested in stories. And, you know, my family is the, is, you know, has a culture of storytelling. Right. And so I can't recall exactly when it began, but it's been in the last 12 months. My son Carson, the oldest. Uh, decided that he wanted me to tell him a business story each night. And so I do, like I, you know, I strategically will spend a minute or two just kind of thinking about something that happened in the day. Uh, and I'll try to find a way to explain it to an eight year old where it means something. And so literally he gets a 15 minute lesson on business, on personalities, on leadership, on growth, on development, on challenges, on, you know, adverse conditions. You know, he's hearing about these things each and every day. Um, my, my youngest, you know, doesn't have quite the interest yet. I think also because mm-hmm. he's a bit younger and because he's got ADHD, he doesn't really quite have the focus for it yet, but he loves the gratitude and the affirmations and he really needs that. So, so I think we'll eventually be able to get him there. Um, and then I think the, the other piece that's been really cool for us, although it wasn't, you know, perfectly intentional, but you know, the space that I'm in here today is, in my Lethbridge office. So we have a, a 5,000 square foot space here on two floors, but on the other side of the upper level is my, a suite that we built for my in-laws. We built them a condo up there. So just, you know, pretty much behind this wall, there's an elevator and I can pop in there and after school, go up and hang out with my kids. She gets them at three o'clock. And so, you know, they're, they're down here, you know, my mother-in-law's walking through meetings and she'll walk into my office when I'm sitting with clients and you know, uh, I don't want to live a life where my kids can't walk into a meeting, you know, like, yeah. and, and I'll be honest, if, if somebody's bothered by that, they can find another person to work. Yes. With. I love that. Okay. That, that warms my heart. Yeah. And I, that's one thing I didn't tell you before, you know, I try to make sure that everybody knows it. Like I, you know, when I first started doing this podcast, when I first had the idea, I wanted to do it on like Saturday mornings so that, you know, I could include the kids on the podcast, like have the kids in there for the first 15 minutes and have a conversation. But 
but then I realized, hey, how important Saturday mornings are for a lot of families, right? But that's that's a tough thing to take away and ask ask somebody to to step aside for that long. But um, but I my my kiddos have shown up on multiple of these podcasts, um, and I yeah. I love when other people like. I mean, there's one guy I was interviewing, Aaron Felke, um, a really good buddy of mine. He uh, um, his little yeah, he's he's awesome. So his his little guy came into the room, you know, uh, just kind of crawled in with his mother-in-law and um and i was like bring him on over let's chat let's chat with the kid you know because like i mean why the heck not you know like i watched there was that one interview i think it was i don't know it was on cnn or something some some news something or other and one of the guys was talking story literally three days ago i know exactly where you're going but i want to like it so the, the kid walks in and like the nanny's going to, he's like trying like, like, yeah. and like, what the heck? Like bring the kid. Like, okay. Now everybody on national TV gets to see my kid. 100% chance that nanny uh, got fired, right? Yeah. No joke. you like, and, and that kid probably got scolded and the, you know, like if it was me, I mean, and granted, I'm in a, I don't know, maybe I'm in a different place and I don't know. I've never, I've never been on national TV like that. So maybe I'm again, I, maybe I don't know how I'm going to react, but I, I'm pretty sure I know I'm going to react and be like, ah, hey, well, Guess what? I'm yeah. a dad. This is part of being a dad. Dude, like, my, I was in a coaching call out here with a paying client. My wife walks into the office. One of the team members that we have just had a baby six weeks ago, and she just passes me a six-week-old baby. Like, am I going to say no to holding a six-week-old baby? <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, you've had yeah. kids. You miss that. We all miss that. They're pretty cute, right? And here's the thing. A, I don't care if you don't like me for taking a minute to hold a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, I'm banking on the fact that most people probably going to like me more. Okay. Yeah. Like, and if you don't like, you're not my people. That's probably okay. not my kind like, of people I, I want to be around anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. life's short, bro. Like we listen and we all miss our kids at that age. I mean, I know it's, it can be hard. We all get that the sleepless nights and so forth. And you know, you're going to be facing that again here right away. Right. Already am. Uh, Already am. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but you miss it, you know, you miss those yeah. sweet little voices and you miss those challenges. And, uh, yeah, I want to be a part of that whenever I can, for sure. I don't wish it yeah. away at all. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it is it again, like, it's just like the, the conversation part I told you where, you know, I'm, I'm having a conversation with you and all of your interactions in the past. Like, I mean, I, I saw so many divorces and so many absentee fathers in the military mm-hmm. that it's like, I, I do not ever want that, you know, like, yeah. I don't know if there's a way to go overboard with it. I hope that there's not. And I hope that I don't, don't find that way to, to like be so involved and like so, you know, allowing of that. But man, oh man, like I'm only a couple of years in of being out of the military and there's no way I would have it any other way. I mean, I, I pick my kids up from school. I drop them off at school. I, I make their lunches. Same. You know, I help them with their homework. I feel like I love being able to do all of that stuff. Um, you know, and right now it's summer. So of course, like I'm walking into the room, like I mean, they're, they're in a different city right now. So that works out They're They're with their mom having some fun, um, in Orlando without me, those jerks. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I like come on to that. Ah, man, just, I love it. Yeah. I love just that energy. I, just that find, feeling. I find it so funny that you, that you told that story. Like that's such an obscure thing. I'm, I can't like, you know, I, I can't underline that enough. I literally was saying that what day is today. Today's uh, Monday, right? So I was telling that story last week, no, no, no earlier than Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the context, but I just remember thinking like, why wouldn't you have just grabbed your kid? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, just like, as if like, you know, people aren't just going to appreciate the fact that you can, you can multitask, you can yeah. be a dad and a business person simultaneously, you know, like we've all done it. Okay. Like we've all, you know, changed the diaper while we were on the phone 
or, you know, had to make a lunch or whatever, you know, you, you're on the phone with somebody and they're screaming kids in your house and it sounds like utter madness and you're like, well, this is my life and this is yeah. the way we're dealing with right now. You know, yeah. like, I don't know. I don't think we should have to pretend. That's maybe a dad thing, man. I mean, maybe that's part of the challenge is that guys think that they've got to, you know, put on these airs and you can't be a professional and you can't be a dad simultaneously. They have to be kind of like, yeah. you know, you yeah. divided things. Something my, it's not in my experience. It's not the life yeah. I want to live. No, mine either. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that I, I, wanted to do this podcast too, is show that there's, there's other ways to, to do the dad thing, you know, especially as entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I was, we can get so sucked into our businesses and this daggum thing right here that, you know, oh, we, yes. we struggle to, you know, pay it, pay enough attention and do all this stuff. So, I mean, if we have the opportunity, we darn well better be involved in, in the kid's life. And, um, yeah. you know, th- those absentee fathers I was telling you about and absentee, like sounds like a, a, a rough word, but you know, when you're stationed in a different country and you're divorced and your kids are in America, you're pretty daggum absentee, right? So like, do you want yeah. to impact your kids from the other side of the world or do you want to impact them from being next to them? Like figure out a way to be a good involved father. Um, and it, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm super passionate about it in case you can't you know tell. I can. Yeah. Well, and one other thing that comes to me too, and this is a bit of an extreme one, but it's worked really well for me. Um, you know, I decided early on that you know, I, I needed to have a practice that was going to help me be, you know, just a more put together, lower stress, kind of better connected human being. And I knew that that would have impact in my business, my family and, and my life, my health and all those things. And I, I decided that, you know, I would just start getting up ridiculously early. I mean, it's, it got progressively early. I think I started getting up as early as three, settled on the fact that that was actually ridiculous and then <laughs> leveled out at about four. But, you know, the truth is, is that I, you know, I get a lot accomplished between four and seven thirty. I roll into the house. Kids are just getting going. You know, I can get their breakfast. I can get their lunches packed, <clears throat> get myself ready, get them out the door. You know, I'm ready to take my first phone call at eight thirty. Next one's at eight forty five. Then I got my team meeting at nine. Like it's a very well sequenced, you know, morning and, and I don't feel any pressure or stress around it. I mean, I get to be present for my kids, mm. you know, for the hour that, that they want me present, you know, and. So I know that, you know, our listeners, most people don't want to get up that early, but just for me personally, it's, it's allowed me to not have that hustle and bustle of the morning that I used to have. You know, I don't wake up on my heels, you know, like I used to at seven, you know, I've got an hour and a half of things to do, but I got to be somewhere in an hour kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got loads of time, you know, and by the time I roll into the house, I'm in a great mood because most of my troubles are behind me. You know, I've already dealt with a lot of what I needed to do and, and now it's just family time. So that's another thing that I really value. That's awesome. Yeah. Waking up early has been one of those things that at the beginning of COVID, I mean, I was waking up early all the time anyways, and I was still in the military. So I had to go to work every day, but there were multiple go abundance guys that were like, Hey, like, I don't, my schedule is completely jacked up. I'm not, I'm all over the place. I said, all right, well, let's meet up together. Let's do an early morning phone call. So we had a five 30 in the morning phone call. And the thing lasted yeah. for over two years. We were on this five thirty in the morning phone call, like keeping it going. We just check in. What are we doing in business today? What are you doing in life today? Where are you at? How are we moving forward? Um, Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Now we're, we, it took a break for a little while in my move and we're, it's been kicked back on again with me and one other guy. One guy moved to Phoenix. So he's, um, three hours behind us. So there's no way he's waking up at two 30 in the morning. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, we, we, uh, we still knocking out those phone calls and it's, it's a, um, it's a game changer when you really like put through it. Like for me, that was the only time I'm able to work out. So if I don't work out, then yeah. I'm not going to work out throughout the rest of the day. So yeah. I've got to get it in in the morning or it's just not going to happen. Um, and I, I've been getting a little flabby, so I need to get the work, 
working at back in back in uh, in the business. So, well, and that's the, I mean, as an example to children, right? We we often think about the proactive ways that we parent, right? But I think mm-hmm. we can all agree that there's a lot of parenting that happens in the gap, right? You know, there's a lot of parenting that happens passively when we're not trying to parent. You know, mm-hmm. what what they're looking at when when we hope they're not looking, what they're yeah. hearing when we hope they're not listening, right? And uh, so, yeah, your, your kids are seeing that, man. That's awesome. Congrats. It's, it's, uh, what is it? Uh, parenting is caught, not taught, you know, or, or, or like yeah. they catch what you're doing more than they catch what you're teaching, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, mm-hmm. be be the example they need to have. Uh, and anytime I'm not, I, I do what I can to, to, to tell them, hey, daddy just made a very bad example of, of what to do, you know. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, all I can do is. You know, I, I almost hate the saying because I, I don't think it's necessarily true, but like, you're going to screw up your kids. It's your choice on how bad it is. Right. Like, can you figure out how to do it as little as possible? Um, yeah. You know, I, I hope that that's not actually factual. I'm hoping that I don't screw up my kids. I'm hoping I do nothing but, but try to improve them and make them better. But at the same point, I mean, I'm going to make mistakes. I think owning up to them helps to fix yeah. that as opposed to screw them up. I think so. I mean, I, but I, I have this weird philosophy around that. I mean, there, there's kind of, Two, two elements to it. One I've already shared with you about how, you know, I'm strategically trying to make some things difficult. No mm-hmm. question. But, you know, I have a lot of forgiveness for myself for the mistake that I've made and the challenges that I've faced and, you know, the things that I wish that I'd done better as a dad. And, you know, I look back, I mean, I'm listening, I'm telling you the perfect story about my parents too, but we can all agree that there's things in there that aren't perfect. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would want to change that. I think that, you know, they, they need something to push against too, right? Yeah. You know, they, they need, uh, you know, a lever at times when the, when the driver is not strong enough, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, to a degree, I hope that I'm providing them with some of that, not, you know, not baggage that's too heavy to carry. Um, yeah. but baggage that's motivating, if you know what I mean. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a good way to think about it. But, uh, but I think to that point though, it's not really screwing the kids up. I think that's. That's challenging them yeah. and challenging is not screwing up. So, um, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Way to put that. Yeah. There's food on the table. There's a roof over the head. There's loving parents in the house. I mean, what else do you need? Right. Yeah. Um, a lot, but yeah, I think that's a very good start. So, <laughs> uh, so what, what kind of practices would you say that you, uh, that you've instilled in your kids that you can already see like large impacts in what they're doing? Um, I mean, you already mentioned the gratitude and affirmation seems to be two of the things that they, they've really both clung on to. But, um, what are the things that you see like that they're doing it? Uh, you know, one thing I, I, I talked to, uh, some folks and, um, like sometimes it seems like our kids are carrying a little mirror, uh, going back to that caught, not taught. Like, um, they'll do something and it's like they're shining a mirror at me saying, Hey, I learned this from you, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, son of a gun. They really did. They did learn that from me and I, I need to fix that, you know, but. What, what sort of things are, are you teaching them that you're, you're intentional about that you're seeing the, the impacts already, um, that somebody else might be able to, to pick up and run with themselves? Yeah. I mean, lots of things, but I think one thing that is probably most relevant to our conversation today relates to finances and, mm-hmm. and, um, I think their philosophy around, around money, you know, my truth was growing up in the Maritimes. You know, there was a lot of poor people and, um, I, I wouldn't say that we had scarcity, but there was definitely not enough for the things that we wanted. Right. And I've been really intentional about helping the kids understand that, that money is not difficult to come by. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, the, the truth is, is that, you know, once you 
figured out a few little hacks. Um, there's an abundance of money for us all to go out there and, and get. Now, uh, the approach that I'm working at with them is that it really comes down to service. You know, just help as many people as you can with a problem that they can't get a lot of help with. And there's compensation associated with that. Whatever it is that brings you joy, you know, do something that's meaningful to you, that's meaningful to as many people as you can possibly serve. And eventually, you know, it'll work out, right? Um, ideally there's going to be decent margins in that thing, you know, you know, ideally with a broad audience, you know, mm-hmm. all those things, of course. But yeah, that's been, I think, foundational in the conversations that we've been having is that, um, you know, yes, we have money. Yes, we don't have to worry, but it's also because we have a mindset around, around money. You know, we don't sit around worrying about it. We watch our language. We, we're generous, you know, uh, we're, we're not, um, you know, gaudy people that, uh, you know, that, you know, need, need to talk about it or show it off, but we, we also don't want our kids to be scared or worried about it, you know? Yeah. I love that. Bad. I mean, we've had kids at times where we were very close to being out of business, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, to it, we were age appropriately transparent about those things. You know, we wouldn't want them to worry about homelessness or anything, yeah. but we, we've never, we've never held back on what's going on and why things might be different this year than last year, you know? Um, but still things are important for entrepreneurs because, you know, it's, it's easy for us to get in our own heads, right? It's easy for us to get concerned about these things and, you know, be stuck in the grind and always trying to fix things and nothing's right. And, and, uh, I would want my kids to see that, um, yeah, that, you know what, like the, the greatest joy in this work that I can see is the fact that, you know, I get to go to work and serve people and make an impact and help others live big lives. And, and if I'm good enough at that, everything else is going to be fine. And, if I'm not doing a very good job with that, there's a really good chance because of this guy here, you know, and I, I ought to be doing some more work on him. Mm. So one, one thing that you said in there is you, you watch your language around money. Tell me what that means. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I learned at a young age, uh, some fairly negative thoughts around money, you know, you know, we can't afford that. No, you can't have that. Um, you know, just, there was just a lot of like, uh, a lot of that, a lot of kind of fear, if mm-hmm. you will. And we, and we really, we really didn't talk about it either, but when we did, it was kind of always in this like negative way. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for our kids, it, it, it's not being about that. It's been about decisions and choices. And, you know, if we do this thing, there's other things that we can't do, or is this thing more meaningful or more appropriate than you know, giving money away than charity. And so give you a great example. I was really proud of the kids. You know, my wife and I are, are, are philanthropists. We, you know, we gave quite a bit of money away over the past couple of years to a local charity. My wife was sexually abused as a kid. And so there's a great uh, local charity that supports kids that have uh, experienced that and, and helps them in the, in the prosecution of their, of their, uh, of their uh, perpetrator. And so we've given quite a bit of money to them and, um, the kids know about that because we talk about money and yeah. we talk about what we do with it and, you know, how much there is and what our daily nut is. They know what I got to make a day to pay the bills. And, um, they also know not to go talking about these things mm-hmm. broadly because that's not everybody's culture, but in our house it is. And, um, but yeah, it was cool. The kids had a lemonade stand on the weekend. They made 80 bucks and, you know, they were talking about, you know, how they might run the program and, you know, they're you know, building coupons and all this kind of cute stuff. And, um, and we talked a little bit about philanthropy and how much they might like to give away. And they kind of settled on, 
you know, about half of it. They were going to increase the price from a dollar to three dollars and give half of it away. So they come ahead 50 cents a piece, right? Yeah. But hey, like, that's good math. Good model. Good thinking. Good yeah. model. Right. Um, and so they liked that idea. They settled out at, uh, at 80 bucks at the end of the day and decided that they wanted to give 70 away to the charity. And I thought, man, like, that's cool. Like, you know, on the one hand, it's cool that they're being charitable. This was on their own design. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, my, my kind of decision or contributions. Um, you know, the flip side of that could also be that, yeah, of course, like they've got enough of an abundant mindset around money that they're not worried. Um, which is true. Like you get to be extra charitable when you have extra money. Right. Yes. And so they're also aware of their privilege too. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we're just trying to give them a full scope picture of, of what it looks like being, uh, you know, in a family like ours, you know, and, um, try to help them be responsible with that information. You know, it's tough with a six and a half and eight year old. You don't yeah. quite know what they say at school. So, you know, trying to keep it as, as appropriate as possible. And just, yeah. like you say, man, hope for the best. Like we're only my first run, man. I haven't been a parent before this, you know, like yeah. I got two kids close in age and we're figuring out kind of at the same time. Right. That's what I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, look, I've, I've never been a parent to an eight year old and a four year old and a seven week old before. Um, you've never been an eight year old before and you're learning how to do that. I'm learning how to be the dad to an eight year old. So I don't, I don't yeah. know. This is my first time doing it. Let's figure it out together. You know, but the the way you talked about the language thing, that's exactly what I was hoping you were going to say. And you know, there's a, there's a book that I really like secrets of the millionaire mind. And it talks about, uh, you know, our, our mindset on money. You can use it in just about anything, like wh- where we get our thought processes from, where we get our mindset from. Um, and, you know, we tend to get it from where our parents were. And unless we have some sort of a reset somewhere, for me, it was getting married to my wife. She had this magical thing called a savings account that I had never heard of before. And I was like, Damn. the heck do you save money for? You know, like, this is silly, you know? And uh, like, I mean, you you still are in the military. You get paid every two weeks. What do you need to save money for? Right. It didn't make any sense to me. Um, uh, But that was a good reset for me and a good, like, a good reframing of, of my thought process. Um, and that really helped me start to think about the language I use around money. And I I still catch myself once in a while going back to that old thought process and the, the, the way that I say it to my boys. And it's like, uh, you know, it, it, it brings that scarcity mindset around money as opposed to the abundance mindset around money. It's like, no, I don't, it, it, it's not that we don't have the money for it. We, we have the money to buy any toy in the store that you want. Like that's, that's not, the point. The point is you have five billion toys already and yeah. you know, four billion nine hundred and ninety-nine million of them you don't play with. So mm-hmm. is it is the money better spent here, or would you rather we go out for some ice cream and enjoy an experience, maybe do some mini putting and have fun together? Like, where are we actually using this money that makes more sense? Um and yeah. you know, I'm hoping that takes, but well, it takes it takes practice and, and you know the thing with with children is that it takes so much repetition, mm-hmm. right? And, and we have to be, you know, consistent as parents and, you know, on the same page as our spouse. And, That's um, huge. you know, one of the, one of the things that I've been, you know, thinking a lot about lately is, you know, the downside to this abundant mindset that they have around money is that, um, you know, the, the, the gratitude, it, you know, isn't, quite as high as, as I would like, you know, if I'm mm-hmm. being frank about it, right. You know, they're, they're not worried. Right. And so, you know, we're wondering like, maybe we've gone a little bit too far with it. And, um, so yeah, I would say now we're kind of, you know, really doubling down on just the little things, you know, like thanks for breakfast, you know, 
Like you don't, I get it. Like I never said thanks for breakfast once in my life, but I also didn't have the privileges that these two kids have either. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, just really trying hard, um, around appreciation and just the little lessons, you know, like, you know, plates and dishwashers, go hug your mom, tell her you love her and, yeah. and uh, you know, tell her to have like just these little things, but you know, all these elements I think make better people. And, um, you know, the psychology, right? The, the more grateful that we are, the more opportunity we see, the more we can spread that. And I think you and I can both agree the world needs more of it for sure. Oh, you're not wrong there. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So what what kind of conversation did you and your wife had? You know, it, like, I, I don't think I've even hit on this before in any of my conversations, but now my wife and I are very much, you know, we, we're constantly talking about, you know, what, what the future is going to look like, how we're going to be, you know, what we're doing to raise the kids. Are we doing the right things? Are we doing the wrong things? There's constant conversations. Um, uh, was it work to like, were were you guys both already on the same page with those conversations you wanted to have, or did it take some like family planning for you guys to sit down and kind of go, Hey, this, how do we want to teach the kids about money? How do we want to do these? How do those conversations go? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Uh, yeah, I would say that we, that we did. I I don't want to say that it was maybe as strategic as, as what you're suggesting, but you know, we're, we're very good at communicating on the fly and, uh, and addressing things as they, as they need to be. And, and she's very wise. You know, she came from a family that didn't have a lot of money, but far less than we did. And so like your wife, you know, she's great at saving and far better at budgeting. And uh, she doesn't have ADHD. So she's not likely to, you know, drive a car at a million dollar at a million miles an hour or spend every last dollar she has on something that she really doesn't need. So mm-hmm. that's been more in my, my personality. So no, I, I would say that, um, you know, despite those differences, we've, we've managed to find a, a very clear path just through kind of ongoing conversations um, and uh, kind of court corrections on the fly if necessary. But admittedly, there haven't been that many of them because, you know, we work together, right? Yeah. So we, we deeply understand one another's philosophy. We share an office. I mean, we see each other all the time. So nice. that's not, maybe not as much a challenge for us as it might be for some other families that don't spend as much time together. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's, uh, that last part is key. Anyways, you should be spending a lot of time, as much time as you can with your family to begin with. Right. So, um, but yeah. sadly we don't, we don't see that as often. Um, but you know, I, I look forward to my wife retiring to be able to spend a little bit more time and have those conversations a little bit more, more intentionally. You know, I, I, uh, I did verbalize it as it was almost strategic and my wife and I, it's not as strategic as maybe I made it sound, uh, you know, cause it, it sometimes it's just like, you know, hey, the the way you said that to the kids, like, can we figure can we figure that out? Can we figure out a better way to say that? Or, um, what were your feelings behind that, or your thought processes? And, um, you know, I I mean, I think it's very easy to revert back to the negative mindset. Very easy to revert back to the feeling of, um, you know, where where you came from as opposed to where you're going. Um, you know, the book uh, The Gap and the Gain. I don't know if you've read that one, mm-hmm. but it's phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? So. If I'm constantly living in that gap of where I want to go, then even my language is going to to change, you know, and and, and I want to be able to live in that gain. And you know, how how are we improving? How far have we gone? And how far have we come? And um, yeah, teach that to the kids as well. And and that goes in the way we talk, the way we react to things, the way we you know, do our finances, everything. I mean, it's it's all it's all part of the process. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think one of the the kind of key lessons that we're trying to teach these little people is just to be kind, you know, mm. it is, and just be polite, just be kind, um, you know, support others, everything else really becomes easy. You know, mm. I really think it does. And, um, 
and, you know, also perspective, you know, we want them to be aware of, of their privilege. Uh, we want them to be aware of the realities of the world that we live in and, and to, to see things and to think critically about why things may or may not be the way that they are. And, you know, I think with insights like that, um, you know, they have a hope of, of being good citizens and, and, and being good business people and, and humanitarian mm-hmm. and philanthropists and, and happy. Like, I mean, what else do we want besides them to be healthy and happy anyway? Yeah. Yeah. You're darn right. Yeah. And I, I tell mm-hmm. my kids all the time, um, you know, now that I'm saying this, I've, I've, it's been a little too long since I've said it, but my, my goal is to raise my boys to be better men than me. So mm-hmm. if, if they're 1% better than I am, then I've done my job. Like my, I just need them to be better men than me. And, you know, then raise raise sons who are better men than them and and daughters of course but um uh but now i've got to figure out how to how to say that you know to my daughter because that's a that's a whole new world opening up like it's uh it's not to raise better men than me but uh, hopefully to find a better man than your dad you know like it's gonna teach you teach you what it is to to find a better man than me so i'm sure that she'll challenge you in all the best ways no she won't she's going to be perfect a perfect little angel that will never challenge me that's what i, that's what I mean though. you know there's always going to be the the perfect challenge right I, mean, yeah. I don't think there's anything that's imperfect about uh about life uh you know yeah uh, that makes i i as much as uh, a child can drive you bonkers from time to time it is one of the greatest blessings that's ever happened in my life so um, and I tell people I've had a lot of really cool titles in my day, uh, but dad still brings me to my knees once in a while. It's like, golly, this is just phenomenal. Like this, just looking at my kids, it just lights me up. So, um, it sounds like the, uh, the same is uh, true for you. So it's yeah, always awesome yeah, to chat I'm, with dads. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to being able to do more things with them, you know, yeah. uh, they're in school, but you know, who knows? Maybe I get to work with them. Maybe yeah. we get to build the business together, you know, uh, hard to say, right? I've been recently looking at, uh, speaking of the man in school, doing homeschooling because I, I like to travel a lot. I like going places and school really mm-hmm. is not conducive for that. And that's, <laughs> you know, I, I tend to do mm-hmm. traveling by myself, but I don't like to travel without my family. You know, that goes back to the military side. I've been, I've, I try to make it now. Like the only reason I'll travel is if it's going to do something that's going to improve my life for my kids and my wife right yeah. so um like abundance trips like the whole purpose of those types of trips are to improve my life for my family's life right so um i'll do those types of trips but man i'd love to bring them on every one of them you know I, everywhere i go um so yeah uh, man. Funny, I, I, I thought about that too i was actually visiting uh adam and sam uh in north carolina this is going back two years now and i remember thinking man like this is awesome like mm. so i called my wife and we had a conversation with her about homeschooling you know the the team business is you know getting close to the point where we could where we could do that you know half the year month in month out kind of mm-hmm. thing and certainly the coaching business you know you don't need to be anywhere for that except aside from your speaking gigs and yeah. uh yeah the the response was yes as long as you do it um <laughs> which which i'm actually at peace with the other challenge that we identified though is with mel's mom who moved here to yeah. uh to live in beautiful place and she's not so keen on the idea so we'll have to see how things transpire over the next decade but yeah let's see man it's a good idea and i mean i love sam and he he i think is one of seven kids if i recall correctly i think there's seven of them and they were all homeschooled too right so and i mean he turned out phenomenally he's a a fantastic guy um you know found an amazing wife so it's you know 
a, a good person to kind of just sit down with and make you think about that type of stuff to begin with. So yeah, uh, sorry. All right. Was there any yeah. other, you know, kind of final thoughts you'd have final uh, tips, tricks, anything that you'd want to kind of pass on uh, that maybe we haven't covered? Dude, I wish I had a whole other list of things, but no, I think I've unpacked my, uh, my secret tool. Um, but, uh, but I'm, I'm super grateful that you're doing this and, uh, Thanks, I'm sir. looking forward to listening to other episodes so that I can pick up, uh, some strategies and in addition to the things that you've shared too, man. So thanks for, thanks for giving me your story as well. I know that this was a lot about me. You're the host, but, uh, <laughs> there's some good nuggets in there for me as well. So I want to say thanks for that. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward Appreciate to it. hearing more episodes and seeing your success with this, man. Absolutely. I, I, uh, uh, you know, like I, like I said, if I, I'm going to do everything I can to steal all the good ideas that other people are bringing on. And if somebody else gets something right. out of it when they listen, great. If not, who cares? Yeah. I learned something. So, you know, isn't that the idea of every podcast? You know, <laughs> yeah. Me, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully somebody learns something from it. You know, I just, uh, but if not, yeah. then I'm just posting things out to the world that I'm, I'm learning from. So who cares? That's my, right. yeah, yeah. Good deal, uh, man. Well, thanks for having me. This no. was really good, man. It was yeah, great, Gordon. Thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, being a solid dad um, and uh, and yeah. learning, you know, continuing to teach people along the way and teaching your kids. And um, yeah. I can't tell you how appreciated I am of, of fathers who are actually involved. Uh, um, I actually just had my uh, one of my my in laws family members like ask me yesterday, like, why is it that you know all your content is about dad stuff? And I said, well, how many how many dads are failing to be involved in their kids' life? Way too many, right? We see a lot of single moms, very few yeah. single dads, but all those single moms, there's a dad somewhere, probably failing miserably at being a dad. So if I can you know, just make one dad better, um, then hopefully I'm, I'm doing something to impact that. Uh, How are yeah. you, man? Yeah, it's good work. I appreciate you and it, man. Thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate you sharing your story. I'm sure it's going to make some, uh, some big impact for some folks, but. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. If uh, if people want to reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? I almost forget that. I'm still semi new to this podcasting thing. I'm going to forget. Oh, yeah. But how do people get a hold hey, of you? Sure, man. Uh, super easy. Go to Linktree slash follow Courtney, so you can see my name in the bottom left there. But it's a C O U R T N E Y. So Linktree slash follow Courtney, and then all my links are in there. All right, that's awesome. I I have not heard of that before. I'll have to check out Linktree. That's really cool. All right. Yeah. Well, um, we'll have that in the show notes. Thank you so very much again, Courtney. And uh, well, we will stay in touch. Uh, we're uh, yes, now so. officially connected. And uh, I look forward to the next time. Great, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Take care. Thank you. Right, we'll see you. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us. And we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.